0: Come, walk down the winding path. Don't mind the spooks and monsters, they stay hidden within the trees. There are mysteries in this world that you need to know, and paranormal truths that need to be told. Come, step up into the caravan, where we share tales of old as well as new accounts about things you thought only existed in your nightmares.
1: Talking trees has been capturing the human imagination for generations. Did you say something? My bark is
2: worse than my bite.
1: Okay, so maybe they don't talk to us, but it turns out trees can talk to each other.
2: The trees
3: are speaking to each other.
1: But that does beg the question, what do trees have to talk about? And can we learn to speak their language? Underneath the soil, a vast and interconnected network of life links the trees through their root systems, but they can't talk to each other without help. The whole process starts with hub trees, the oldest and tallest trees in the forest. Hub trees have greater access to sunlight, and through the process of photosynthesis end up producing more sugar than they actually need. Underground fungi need sugar to survive, most of their bodies are made up of a mass of threads called mycelium. They grow within the root system of trees to absorb the excess sugar. In return, the mycelium provides the tree with the nutrients it needs from the soil. This symbiotic relationship is known as mycorrhiza, which stems from the Greek words for fungus and root. These tree-fungi relationships connect the trees in the forest together, forming an underground communication network to exchange water and nutrients, to nurture their seedlings, and even send warning signals when under threat. So. How many trees are really talking to each other? To get a better picture of these forest relationships, a team of researchers used DNA analysis to map a fungal network in a patch of Canadian forest. Remarkably, they found that one tree was connected to 47 other trees. Their models also showed that when hub trees were removed, it would cause more connections to be lost than if trees were simply removed randomly. Studying these kinds of underground exchanges will play a vital role in creating stronger, more resilient forests for the future. So even though we might not be able to talk to trees, at least we can still keep trying to understand their language. Who knows what they might say?
2: And welcome back inside our cozy little caravan of lore, or should I say the Caravan Library of Lore, because we do have all these books here that Lady Anne and myself reference for interesting talking points. And you know what, Lady Anne? Hmm. I think we found a really cool talking point for tonight.
0: Mm -hmm. How are you? I'm good. How are you?
2: I'm doing well, thank you. I'm kind of excited to do this episode. uh Being the fact that it has sparked a little bit of controversy mm-hmm. with some people that I have brought it up with, and they were kind of naysayers. Mm-hmm. And the subject matter is the plant life and forest life around us having consciousness.
3: Right. And
2: I have always felt that the, the forest do have a consciousness about them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's actually provable that they do. I agree. But I would like to know, you do agree, I was just going to ask you what you (laughs) feel about that subject, and do you feel the forest is of conscious nature?
0: Honestly, looking at it from um, the spiritual and energetic side as well, the question would be more so, how can it not be?
2: True. And... The way I've seen it too is this planet is covered in life and just because what we understand as consciousness mm-hmm. doesn't mean that we are able scientifically to be able to approach a life form that we're not familiar with the same structure with to understand if it has consciousness it's more of a belief system but the proof is in the pudding And what I mean by that is that there are so many things in the plant world around us and let's just focus on one source and that's the forest. I think everybody is very familiar with going on hikes through the forest. Mm -hmm. And there is a underground network that nobody ever gets to see of intertwining roots throughout an entire forest system. Mm -hmm. And it's a communication network. Just because we don't understand how life would communicate and be aware of its surroundings doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Right. Or otherwise, plants and animals would cease to exist without understanding its environment. Mm -hmm. And that is consciousness. You have to be able to understand your environment. So... I've heard the argument that, look, trees and plants, they don't have brains. They don't have eyes. There's just nothing there for consciousness. And I strongly disagree. I think there is a network Mm -hmm. of whatever chemistry it is that I don't know, but there is a network of cells just like animals have. Mm -hmm. We all are built of cells, and so are plants. And we are all birthed. Right. We come from pretty much, you know, just two little forces that combine together that creates life. And a jellyfish does not have a brain or eyes, but yet it thrives and it knows to feed. It mm-hmm. knows how to swim and it's adapted to its environment. And yet it's considered part of the animal kingdom. Right. And I feel the same way about thunderstorms. They are made up of bed- jillions and even though that's not a really a real number but (laughs) you know let's just say uh, trillions of tiny little water droplets Mm -hmm. which are cells and it forms it feeds and it expels and so do plants right plants feed and they expel and there's a purpose for what it is that they do so then in our brief little research of knowing that we are smart enough that the forests have consciousness, maybe that leads credence to the haunted forest.
4: Oh. And
2: maybe, just like just like human existence, mm-hmm. depending on the environment in which you have grown into, if you've been in an abused environment, chances are you're not going to be a very good soul as you get older. And maybe it's that way in forests too. Maybe there was abuse in a younger forest that it's now emanating that energy and it's referenced as a haunted forest
0: wow that's really interesting it makes me uh think back to the episode that we did on the okikahara forest oh right and what it is that originally drew like i understand you know and we went over it why people are going there and the societal hardships that they're going through that drive them to go out there, but before that I wonder if there was something that kind of that people were sensitive to and there was a darkness and that called them there You know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
2: No, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah And I don't think it's just limited to that forest land. Right. I really don't I think I think they exist everywhere but I'm not saying that the forest is a bad place. Mm-hmm. I just think that it could answer why some forests are more haunted. And haunted does not mean bad. I just want to put that out there. A haunted forest or a haunted house or a haunted space doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad entity. It just means that there's energy there that hasn't moved on to where it needs to go. Right. And it may not be malevolent. But mm-hmm. it's enough to make you question certain things that go on in those forests. Right. And do we attribute it to just the plant life that that thrives there? Well, it's it's a good possibility. We don't have all the answers scientifically yet. And in a way, I kind of hope we never do. These mysteries are kind of fun to be left as a mystery. And I know man's quest is to answer all of life's history, but... I do truly feel that the entire universe has a consciousness about it. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a couple examples mm-hmm. of why I feel that way.
4: Yeah.
2: If, now we all know, okay, let's just take any kind of a, a, a plant life. They all share the same similar life force, which is a root system underground, mm-hmm. which it feeds its nutrients from and the cells develop from it, and it uses sunlight for food. Mm -hmm. It absorbs carbon dioxide, and it expels oxygen. And the sunlight produces its sugar substance through photosynthesis. Okay, We have not identified a brain system, and we have not identified a nervous system, nor have we identified any reason for sight. So then, my question is, how can a plant that cannot see or be aware of its surroundings, be able to develop itself, like a pitcher pot plant, for example, Mm -hmm. to develop itself to collect rainwater along with the nectar that would attract small mammals to fall inside the cup and be trapped. Right. Or some of those pitcher plants don't capture the animal. It uses its excretion from feeding and before the animal is able to make its way out and the plant thrives on the excretion. Mm -hmm. So something more familiar to everybody is a Venus flytrap.
3: Right.
2: How would the Venus flytrap, which is indigenous to North Carolina, and a lot of people think it's, you know, an exotic plant from the Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, The Venus flytrap is actually The only indigenous place where it grew and still grows, unless you take one home, is North Carolina. Now, how did this plant develop itself to know that there were small insects? Mm -hmm. To understand what an insect is and that it's a nutrient source, develop a secretion with hair triggers so that it it could attract a, a fly or any other small flying insect to land on it. And step on those hair triggers, causing the leaves to close and trap the animal inside. Being able to use it as a food source. Well, That just doesn't happen. That had to have been some sort of conscious development for a plant to be able to do that.
0: Right. Well, it's similar to some of the other plants that attract specific insects that will help it then pollinate. And be able Mm -hmm. to keep going.
2: It's right. And it's all in that same genre Mm
0: -hmm.
2: of attraction and understanding its surroundings.
4: Right. There
2: is a plant and I'm sorry I don't have the name of it off the top of my head here, but it's certainly a Google bowl. (laughs) Googable. Google (laughs) bowl. Google. That's that's a caravan new word. And you can look it up. Yes, Google. Oh, Lord. uh, Of a plant that develops its leaves to look like a hummingbird. Now, if a plant does not have any consciousness, how would it know what a hummingbird looks like? In order to grow its leaves to look like a hummingbird, in order to attract hummingbirds, which is part of the pollinating process. There's too much going on there for something that doesn't have a consciousness to develop that it has to learn it from somewhere over evolution right same with with these you know beautiful trees that are in the amazon river basin that develop seedlings into gliders it has wings and as the tree disperses its seedlings it catches the winds and it travels throughout the forest land for miles and miles these gliders will fly it's the same simple principle as a dandelion. When the flower dissipates and it becomes seed, it catches the wind and it blows those little feathery annoying things everywhere. Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. But it has
2: to have a consciousness in order to understand its surroundings and its environment in order to develop that. And that's my argument that, yes, <laughs> you know, trees are definitely trees and plants and all living things have a consciousness about them. So, in the audio bite that was listened to, that was put together by National Geographic, and credit to National Geographic, Mm -hmm. you know, there are hub trees in the forest. I refer to them in a mythical state as a root ward. Mm. It is a dominant tree, and it usually grows the tallest. It's not any more powerful than any other tree. It just happens to be the oldest tree, but it can also seek sunlight much faster because it's taller producing more sugar than it needs so it disperses that sugar through the root system and all the roots are interconnected with each other as a communication network which helps other plants that need those nutrients to thrive Mm
4: -hmm.
2: that has to be something there it's almost a mother a motherly instinct to take care of its young Mm -hmm. to feed it give it nourishment, and give it protection from the environment around it by being the dominant tree, as referred to as a hub tree. Mm -hmm. So give me your take (laughs) on the universal consciousness of greenery life around us.
0: I honestly, you know, I, I do tend to look at the world through spiritual glasses. And looking at everything made up of energy and everything having a spirit, because I do believe that each individual plant has a spirit of its own. And if it has a spirit, how can it not have a conscious? How can it not be connected? How can it not have some type of awareness? Mm
2: -hmm. You
0: know? So, yeah. It lives, does it not? Right. So how can it not have a spirit? How can it not be conscious?
2: Well, you just kind of made me think of something else too scientifically Mm -hmm. that you can take an ohm meter to any living plant it's giving off an electrical charge
3: Mm -hmm.
2: well that's energy and energy is what is the common source of all life is that all life produces energy right and i remember as a kid it was really popular then and my mother was a green thumb. She had an indoor greenhouse mm. that my father built for her attached on the family room. And she had all her plants. She loved plants. And yeah, I, uh, I, it was a cool hobby. She had every kind of plant you could possibly think of. That's
0: awesome.
2: And then by the time I got to high school, she asked me, hey, is there any way you can get me any pot seeds?
0: Oh, goodness. <laughs>
2: I'm like, gee, Ma, I don't know. And of course, it was, you know, immediately thereafter, I gave her a handful. Mm-hmm. Gee, how did I get those? <clears throat> That's for a different day and a different show. But she grew that too. Right. My point being is, it was very popular then to speak kindly to your plants right? and to play music for your plants. But the scientific theory was. It's not really so much the tone. It's the vibration that moves the soil that moves the root systems.
4: Mm.
2: Now it's an entirely different philosophy. Right. It's picking up the energy in which you are projecting to that plant. And a lot of people say, I am not a green thumb. I cannot keep a plant alive. Well, there's a good possibility that the energy that you've provided in the household in which you are trying to grow a plant is not... A good energy environment for it to thrive. See? And I find it rather amusing that, and again, I don't want to take this down a different way, but mm-hmm. my ex wife could not, for the life of her, keep a plant alive. Right. Me? You give me a plant, I, it does fine here. It thrives. How it is grows, your It grows, it's tree? green, and it doesn't die. Oh, <laughs> well, my lemon tree is wonderful right now. It's actually going through its fifth growth spurt right now. Oh,
3: wow. So,
2: yeah, that's as tall as me. (laughs) But my point is not to pat myself on the back, but if you give it a positive energy and you take care of it, and, yeah, you can talk to it. I don't necessarily have a conversation with the plants that I have here, Mm -hmm. but I'm having a conversation with you, and there's my palm tree sitting right next to me. And we have these positive conversations. Mm -hmm. It picks up on that, and it knows that I care for them
0: hmm Yeah, no, for sure. It reminds me a lot of the, uh, the water experiment that I know that we've ta- we've kind of touched on here and there where it was, um, basically you, whatever energy that you, you hold the cup of water and you think of something, you project that energy onto this glass of water. So they did like love and they did hate and they did anger and they did happiness. And they looked at it under a microscope and, you know, some of them look like beautiful snowflakes, and other of them looked like really nasty sewage water, depending on the energy that you set forth into this glass of water. And I, what? yeah, and I remember I never heard of this really.
2: No, <laughs>
0: yeah, do um look up just uh the w- water experiment, you know, energy okay. and water experiment. And uh, it was actually featured the first time I heard about it was on a movie called What the Bleep Do We Know. Mm -hmm. Which was a really good one. And, uh, you know, later on in some of my studies, too, I learned about your kitchen and when you cook that no matter what, you've got to really be conscious of when you're in your kitchen and, and when you're cooking, not to bring any no fighting, no negative energy, no nothing, because as you're cooking, you're actually putting in and projecting that negative energy into your food. And then as you're eating that food, you're eating and taking in that negative energy into your own body. So it's really important to, you know, there's been times where I've, um, there's certain mantras that I've, uh, done when I'm cooking certain dishes or, you know, just positive energy Mm -hmm. that when I'm preparing certain meals and so, yeah, what you send out really has a very strong effect on everything around you so I can definitely understand why a plant would respond to that and grow and thrive to that positive energy that you would be sending to it.
2: Okay so if any of our listeners has ever either seen or tried the water experiment yourself I'm fascinated with that one and I can guarantee you as soon as we close up the caravan and feed the horses that's exactly what I'm going to go do is check out the water experiment because that is fascinating but again it proves the point mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily have to have scientific evidence being held in your hand to know what is actually part of creation and what is actually life and consciousness mm-hmm. itself
0: well and you here don't just for reference too it says uh masuro imoto was a japanese author and scientist who said that the human consciousness has an effect on the molecular structure of water. And then you can just even uh, Google the pictures, you know, and you can, uh-huh. you can see it. Some of them are absolutely gorgeous and some of them look just, you know, polluted and gross. and
2: Right. Yeah. See, now that brings me back to the two different types of plant life that thrives beautifully within its environment. And you'll have a flowering garden. Mm -hmm. And personally, I happen to love prairie flowers, naturally growing prairie flowers. And you'll get just this array of colors throughout a prairie. Mm -hmm. And it's really pretty. And it's soothing to the human soul. But then you have these plants that live in Africa that are terrifying. Mm. Absolutely terrifying that they have these spot and again i wasn't prepared for this to come up with the name because i'm this is all triggering the thought process in this conversation right but they produce these spine claws thousands of them and all it takes is one victim animal or a person to even come close and you get snagged by this wow and you you become distressed to get yourself unsnagged which is causing you to get snagged even more Hmm. and the whole point is that with bystander animals like a goat would get its hair caught in it and it will struggle to get away but the more it struggles the more spines hook onto the hair until the animal dies of starvation and it decomposes and it feeds the plant
3: wow to me, that's
2: from the underworld. Okay, <laughs> that, that, that's, you know, yeah, that's okay, that's a lucifer of the plant life, you know. It's just, right. wow, you couldn't have done it a little bit easier by just, you know, poking it with a quick venom poison and mm-hmm. take it out quickly.
3: Right. But
2: there are plants that are venomous too. Right. So why would that be? If if plants didn't have a consciousness, then they would be here producing oxygen for all of us to thrive now you and I are speaking of surface land-based plants Mm -hmm. but the whole world is covered with plant life to the bottoms of our oceans there's plant life right there's you know and a good I think what is it is like 78% of all of Earth's oxygen comes from the ocean from the plant life in the ocean Mm -hmm. and we do have to be very conscious ourselves as a human species To make sure we don't mess that up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But you know, that all goes back in train of thought again of well, we can just replant. But I think with tree farms, you know, you go through deforestation for human purposes to Mm -hmm. build and construct, and you level these natural forest lands and then you replant them. It sounds great to all of us that live in an urban area to say. Oh, well, thank goodness that the forests are being replanted again.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: However, they're all being planted at the same rate, taking away the hub tree. Right. Because now all the trees are growing at the same rate in, in patterns. They're growing in rows. Mm-hmm. That is not natural for animal life that is very dependent to the plant life. One cannot really exist without the other in a very cohesive way Mm -hmm. at all and so when you find these tree farms that take thousands of acres you don't find a whole lot of wildlife there right and that is damaging too yes you are producing trees the trees are producing oxygen it does combat the carbon dioxide levels Mm -hmm. but it's almost an injustice to the forest land initially You're replacing it with something that's artificial. And how do you get around that? How do we keep our demands fulfilled with the wood products? Because, look, everything uses wood products. Well, just about everything. I'm being a little bit over the top with that. But you'd be amazed if you look around you how much is actually constructed with wood. Your couches, your home, the paper that you write on It's used for everything. Right. So how do we replace that in a natural way where you can replace the hub tree and it can take care of the young trees and become a healthier environment again? And I don't want to stand on a soapbox either preaching tree hugger theory. Right. But the point is we need to be more conscious ourselves as a species to the conscious life of what is actually giving us life to begin with the whole thing i i will beat somebody down if they say look the forests are not conscious don't give me i already had that conversation i said well then you can explain to me how these plants understand its environment if it doesn't have a consciousness if it doesn't have a brain doesn't have eyes to see how does it understand its environment around it it's another form of life right that's all it is it's another form of life and all life on this planet is so diverse and so bizarre and so strange that we don't have the understanding of all of it but it's life Right. and I think the one common denominator with all of life is that there is a consciousness about it to understand its environment in which it thrives
0: No, I agree. I agree. I think that it would be uh, very, I mean, for the fence people, oh well, but narrow-minded to uh, be in that band camp of, no, they don't don't have conscious, they're not aware, they're not, they just, okay, then what are they doing? How do they do everything? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Explain me that. I mean, you know, if somebody wants to step up to the plate and give their... Oh, I would love to have that conversation. Of course I would. And
2: look... I'm not saying I am the smartest guy on this. I am not. I'm not even close to being the smartest guy on this subject. Maybe somebody who can say that it's not conscious maybe is more educated, more degreed than I am that can bring up a very valid point that I will take into consideration. But I think my gut reaction will still stand true that if I side with consciousness... In the world around us, I think I will probably go further mm-hmm. than one that says no. So I don't want to insult anybody if you're a listener and you just shrug your shoulders going, Look, it's a tree. Right. Uh, I just, no. We do I all mean, have a right I remember, our
0: opinions. That's true. Though
2: this is true. Look, I, re- I remember as a real young kid, I was peeling bark off the maple tree in our backyard, and we had a pretty sizable property as a kid. And I peeled the bark off and I was playing with it, whatever. And my mother just kind of really yelled at me for that one. And she's like, do you understand what you just did? And I'm like, no, it's a tree. Right. What? What? It's bark. It's it's dead. It's useless. No, you need to apologize to the tree to what you did to it. Well, how embarrassing is that for a seven-year-old kid to stand there at a maple tree that stands, you know, (laughs) 30 stories tall, you know, (laughs) apologizing to it, Right. but it did eventually, and I'm not saying because I apologize, but it did eventually sap over and it did heal with new bark. And I found that kind of fascinating as I got older and it wasn't a quick process. It took a number of years, but you would never see the spot where I pulled the bark off the tree. It healed itself. Mm -hmm. I'm like, huh. Okay. Well, that's kind of interesting. It's a living organism. See, right. It understands how to take care of itself. It's not at the mercy of the world around us. It can take care of itself.
0: You know, and it's funny because when I was a kid, I remember um, we were messing around and we were cutting stuff down because we were wanting to make a tree for it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember cutting a tree, and I remember seeing the sap come out, and I remember just feeling... (laughs) i felt so bad i felt like it was in pain and like the sap i looked at it as its blood and i'm like oh man we really messed up here guys
2: that's exactly (laughs) what it is though it is its blood source yeah that's what feeds you know its nutrients Mm -hmm. and gives it the energy that it needs to grow (laughs) Right. So you're not that far off base to feel bad. Yeah. I don't know that plants have a nervous system to feel pain, but who says, what are the laws of this entire expansive universe that says you have to have a nervous system in order to feel pain?
0: Well, exactly. It's, Maybe
2: you have a different network and it senses pain also. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Well, I mean, look at it this way too. Your pain threshold and mine are different. I don't know what you personally go through or what you personally feel because I'm not you. So we're not a tree. So how do we know? Can you really speak for the trees? Uh, (laughs) You know, you can't.
2: No. None of us can except for botanists. (laughs) And, you know, I accredit that too. I loved botany in school. In Mm -hmm. high school, I took botany classes and... I, for some reason, I really don't know why, but I love the class.
4: Mm-hmm. I
2: love my earth science classes. I learned so much about the environment around me. Right. It's not that I stepped out of those classes to become an environmentalist, but I certainly learned about the ground in which I walked on. And it made me more conscious as a person as to how to treat something that most people may not, who have not gone through that same experience, that may not treat it the same way. Right. And to say, wow, this this here is a very useful plant. Do you know that you can do this with this? Just like hemp. Right. You know, look what hemp has done for the human race. It's such a versatile plant. It is so versatile. Right. But... What we can use it, but how do we replace it in a natural way, as if it wasn't disturbed to begin with? Planting it in rows, planting it on a farm, planting them simultaneously, that doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. right? Just like you know I brought up with the tree farm. That's fine. If you're going to replace the trees you cut down, but maybe make it a little bit natural of an environment and how you replace those trees. And let some of the trees that you plant get sustained first before you plant more around it. Right. So that you do have the hub tree. Mm -hmm. And a hub tree, you know, like the National Geographic statement was, the hub tree, that's like the king of the forest or queen of the forest.
0: Right, exactly.
2: And with that network of communication, who knows? And again we could go a little bit off track but it was you know kind of my feeling too that i think that the wildlife animal wildlife including a sasquatch probably can read into that
4: mm-hmm. can read
2: into the dangers that are nearby a mm-hmm. tree is sensitive to a danger and will warn other trees in the area of those dangers right it's not instantaneously like you and myself speaking But there is that communication that does happen. Right. And maybe other wildlife can read into that and it knows enough just by the trees of the forest, stay away. And sometimes those that have bad intentions that enter the forest Mm -hmm. may get received with bad intentions from the forest because it's protecting itself. I know that sounds really far out and kind of fantasy. Right. But... There is no proof to say that doesn't happen. And until there is proof that says that doesn't happen, I kind of go along the road of, well, if you don't know for sure, why not be respectful to begin with Right. when you step to the forest? Just be respectful. Be a good steward and be very respectful. And you may have a very pleasant experience. Mm -hmm. And I know that you are a big proponent of the fact of you go in the woods to re energize yourself because oh, yeah. you're going in with that positive attitude to be a good steward and to and to, you know, well experience what that has to offer you and you get something out of it.
0: There's so much connectivity and so much life within the forest. You know, being able to go out there and just be barefoot and experience that grounding within the earth and then really closing your eyes and listening to the life in the trees and breathing in the oxygen that they put off so that we can, you know, so that we can live and we can experience these things. And, I mean, what a gift they are. I mean, this is really getting tree hugger. <laughs> I know that, but it's... No, but that's okay. <laughs> but I am. I really do believe going out and um, uh, rewilding and connecting with the forest and the woods and the trees. and Right. Yeah, no, it's... A really big deal. I think everybody should do it. I think everybody should try to connect that way at least 15 minutes a week. You know, and that's minimal. Mm-hmm. Very doable. If you
2: have that ability. Right. And, you know, there are people that are not fortunate enough like you and myself that can have that benefit. But I think that there's a really good probability. Right. Not proof, but I think there's a really good probability with people that are suffering terminal illnesses. Mm-hmm to be part of uh, the forest lands just the true wild forest lands right and not staying in a cabin right. with the luxuries of home no become one in the forest land you know sit on the ground and and just become just meditate and become one yeah i think that's probably the best medication for any kind of terminal illness Right. Because if trees are able to heal one another, there's no reason why it couldn't heal a, another type of living entity. Well, how many diseased animals do you see in the forest? Mm-hmm. You'll see albinos, but mm-hmm. how many, I mean, mange is not really a, a serious problem in heavy populated woodlands. Well, also, it's more of a problem in outside urban and suburban areas is where you find mange. Right. So it seems as though the forest does take care of the wildlife and vice versa. And maybe it does dissipate that terminal illness or at least subside it somewhat.
0: In that video clip that we watched about the trees and the consciousness and the, you know... Uh, Mm -hmm. I love how it started. It took all these different clips from all these different movies, whether it was an elf connecting with the trees, whether it was, you know, Pocahontas connecting with the trees. There is so much of that in movies. They really Mm -hmm. made a good point about that, about us connecting with them. And could you imagine if they really could speak? The things that they'd say, the healing that they would give, you know? Mm -hmm. I really love that. I think there's something to it.
2: No, there's a lot to it. And look, uh, we experience that on a daily life that nobody really gives. I shouldn't say nobody. Some people do. Mm -hmm. But to give a conscious thought process to, and I know I use the word conscious a lot, but this is what we are talking about. You go to the store, you buy apples. Mm -hmm. The apples came from a tree. Right. Right. But yet, humans can consume apples, and they are very nutritious and very good for you, along with other fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. that are produced, are very beneficial to the human population and to the animal population. Right. Why? Why?
0: It makes me... What are we
2: giving back to the trees that is so beneficial to them? Right. Other than the carbon dioxide we exhale Mm -hmm. and all the pollutants we give to them that they need to fix but as a nutritional value you're getting something that you can consume that's really good for your body Mm -hmm. right there has to be something there that gives that connection between animal life and plant life and the coexistence between the two right and as long as we give them what they need and they give us what we need hallelujah and i know You don't have to be a hippie tree hugger (laughs) to believe any of these thought processes because even though I believe it, you don't see me hugging a tree. I'm respectful Uh and that's it. I'm just respectful, but I'm not going to drop acid and go sit in the forest and and talk to the trees. I'll go hug
0: one. I'll do it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm, petting my palm tree as it sits next to me telling it what a great palm tree it is
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no that's awesome
3: but anyway
2: (laughs) it's it's a very in-depth biological science Mm -hmm. to get to answers and like i said in the beginning i'm in no hurry for answers because i think the mystery is probably more fun Than having the answers. I
0: want to touch on that for sure. Um, A couple years ago, they were studying those rocks that moved mysteriously in the desert. Right. And then they found out why. Well, I have to say, I felt disappointed. I don't want Uh the answers. I really don't. There's Uh some things like... I, I'm going to say this. I hope that Sasquatch is not publicly found. I hope that it isn't one of those things where it's like, here it is, and we've studied it. Because, wasn't it, um, it was like the panda, the, the great panda that was found. Mm-hmm. This went from being this mystical creature to, oh yeah, that's just a panda bear. And then we have them locked up in our zoos. You know? So I agree. I want things to stay a mystery. Besides, when we die... All answers will be revealed. We'll know everything. Why do we have right. to search for it right now? Let it be. Right. Enjoy that yeah. awe, you know? You'll know sooner or No, you later. bring
2: up a really good point about the rocks because when I first saw that mm-hmm. and the evidence behind it, it was mystifying. How are these rocks moving across the desert floor and leaving a trail behind as to where they were? Wow, that's really cool. And it can't be wind. They're too heavy to be blown in the wind. And it took science quite a while to figure it out, if they've even figured it out. But to figure it out, and you're right, it took away the mysticism of the entire thing. I'm like, why didn't you just leave it be? Right. I understand that people want to share their paranormal story and find out what it is. I completely understand that. Because we still can't, wrap our physical hands around it to capture it we can't capture that paranormal experience in our hand and hold it and look at it so it will remain mystical but with the rocks oh come on they just took all the fun out of it for all of us right here we were thinking you know okay so the rocks come to life and they sneak across the desert floor at night when nobody's watching (laughs) so that they can consume you know, spiders and stuff that right. we don't like, or or maybe <laughs> but, it
0: was you know a game that the aliens were playing. Who know? Who knew? <laughs> right?
2: Or the wee folk, or the little hey, leprechauns, or whatever. You know, the, this is a game. This is their bowling push game.
0: Rock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, push
2: rock. So don't take that away from me, because you know what stories could have been written about that for years.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: And it got ruined and mm-hmm. i know it didn't get ruined out of you know spite or malevolent reasons right. it was science doing its thing mm-hmm. and i appreciate science more than anybody knows but the one the one group of people that will side that are not your tree huggers right. and not your hippies that will totally agree with every point that we brought up in this conversation tonight Mm -hmm. are astronauts that have been on the International Space Station and they look down at Earth and every single one of them has all said the same thing. I watch the NASA channel. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the exciting life I lead. I put NASA channel on and I'll just watch what's going on in the space station through the window. And you hear the astronauts speaking amongst themselves and you hear them in their interviews and they all say the same thing. You're, they are looking down at this sphere that's alive. Right. And everything is alive. And it has a conscious and everything has a purpose. Right. Because you take away one element, the whole thing collapses in on itself and it doesn't exist anymore. And that is amazing that science and astronauts have come to that conclusion that it is a living organism and we're part of it. Right. So just because we're so close... And we can't see the big picture because we are in. We are part of it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it doesn't exist when you stand far enough away to look at the overall picture that it is a living organism and that everything is so intertwined and inter-networked with each other that it thrives. Right. And, you know, that's my whole point here that our forest lands, our grasslands, our prairie lands, our sea life. Mm-hmm. It all has a consciousness. It all understands its environment.
3: Yeah, we're all connected. The,
2: the, the underwater life produces uh, nutrients specific for one specific fish. That that fish returns the favor by giving it nutrients to keep growing. How does that relationship develop? Well, there was never this face-to-face conversation between a fish and the plant going, Hey, I got this idea. I'm going to poop and you're going (laughs) to eat it and you're going to grow and then you're going to give me oxygen to breathe. Does that sound like a deal? And the plant goes, yeah, that's a deal. Let's do it. No, that never happened.
0: I think that it's on a bigger scale too, though. It's not just that all of us here are connected with this consciousness, our planets and our people and our water and our air. I think that it's universal as well. It it expands all the way out.
2: Yes no i I believe in the universe consciousness mm-hmm. I do um, just because we're not able to explore it yet right there's a good possibility we will be able to explore it in the future
3: mm-hmm.
2: but yeah i I agree with that i I would bet my all my paychecks on that yes the universe is conscious because we are just now seeing images from all the space telescopes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I could name them all, but I'm not gonna bore you on that scientific <laughs> end. But from all the space telescopes, including Earth based telescopes, we're seeing images where things develop in the far expanses that have nothing to do with us but probably have everything to do with us. And they're all serving this purpose. Right. And science is quickly trying to discover well why? Why is this star formation in this galaxy in this nebula cluster doing what it does. Oh well look at what the outcome is. You have gravitational forces here and it's creating light and it's creating energy right for a reason. And we're just now starting to scratch the surface of what those reasons are in an expanse so far away from us that we're just now seeing images of th- long before Christ walked the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And we're just now getting those images because it took the light that long to reach to the telescopes for us to see it. Right. Well, if we're seeing the past and we're seeing all this development and and there's a... What, what's the famous saying? There is uniformity and chaos. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what's going on. This whole chaotic mess is actually a purpose right and once it's done developing it's probably going to be this beautiful flower thing or who knows what Mm -hmm. when it's all done that just our minds can't comprehend the beauty of it while we're here and like you said all those answers will be given to us when we pass on right and we don't have to seek all those answers right now enjoy the mystery now when we pass on, okay, then we'll give you all the answers.
0: Yeah,
3: no, okay. exactly. Well, I'm fine we'll go, with that.
2: I think
0: right. we go back into that consciousness. And so we'll just, all that knowing and everything will just come back. It'll just be. We already knew it before mm-hmm. we came here. And we'll know and remember it all when we leave here.
2: Well, I, I hope we remember it all.
0: I think we will. And we go back to that consciousness. I can't help but laugh, yeah. though. As we're doing this episode, I'm sitting here thinking, we are the caravan. We speak for the trees. (laughs) You know, from the Lorax.
2: Yeah, right? (laughs) Yes, right. Uh, uh, Yep. Yeah, well, again, like the caravan, don't mind the spooks and monsters. They stay hidden within the trees. That's right. Yeah, because they know it's safe in the trees. That's right. Believe me. They don't move. They can't be seen yeah i love it (laughs) the (laughs) lorax (laughs) that's that's awesome that's right kudos to you (laughs) so you got anything else to add about conscious life of the plant life around us
0: no i think uh i have spoken
2: (laughs) i have spoken well i do remember that and i it wasn't that clear but now that we're talking about it mm-hmm. i'm i'm going to have to dig into my memory bank but there was a creep show episode
3: mm-hmm. i think
2: it was creep show one that stephen king had written and stephen king was in the show where he was being taken over by the moss oh Does anybody remember that episode mm-hmm. if they do let me know and was it creep show or something like that it was it was a brief Television series, Mm -hmm. and Stephen King wrote this short story, and and the moss was you know slowly taking over his body, Mm -hmm. and he was fusing with it, and Mm -hmm. and then you come to find out, well, yeah, look at how many living organisms actually have plants living on those living organisms. Right? It's crazy. Oh yeah. Well, it's crazy. You look at barnacles that grow on whales.
3: Right. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. That's kind of weird they get algae and and there's another thing algae we could do a whole show just on algae (laughs) turn on go go buy a bottled water Mm -hmm. purified water leave it in a glass outside come back 12 days later you tell me you want to drink it you leave it (laughs) outside in the sunlight right it grows life it's got algae growing in there oh yeah where did that come from Oh, yeah. Well, I understand, you know, there's airborne. I get that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the words of Dr. Malcolm, uh, life uh, will find a way.
3: That's right. Very true. And it
2: does find a way.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's crazy. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to my soapbox rant on consciousness of <laughs> plant life and the world around us. Thank you for us. Thank with
4: you. us thank you
2: lady anne i always love coming over to your caravan and although i didn't have coffee this time i think i will save that probably for the next time but i do need to go and feed the horses again and you know brush them down and take care of them for the night and yeah lady anne you have your chores to do you got to go hang your laundry out to your bloomers go hang your bloomers out on the clothesline
0: (laughs) yeah get those hung and uh yeah get my my tarot cards organized
2: there you go (laughs) and next time you people go outside just take a look around you and go wow this is really an incredible place that we live and that tree over there is amazing much more amazing than i think we've given it credit for Mm -hmm. so thanks everybody appreciate it We will talk to you in the next episode. (laughs) Good
1: night, Jen.
3: Good night.
1: From childhood's hour, I have not been as others were. I have not seen as others saw. I could not bring my passions from a common spring. From the same source, I have not taken my sorrow. I could not awaken my heart to joy at the same tone. And all I loved, I loved alone then in my childhood in the dawn of a most stormy life was drawn from every depth of good and ill the mystery which binds me still from the torrent or the fountain from the red cliff of the mountain from the sun that round me rolled in its autumn tint of gold from the lightning in the sky as it passed me flying by from the thunder in the storm and the cloud that took the form when the rest of heaven was blue of a demon in my view.